the Library Fugitives, a support group for people who get lost in the stacks. I'm Molly. And I'm Lindsay. And every episode, we let the Encyclopedia pick our subject. This week, the Encyclopedia chose as a topic for us LGBTQIA+. My book is going to be Delilah Green Doesn't Care by Ashley Herring Blake. And I'll be doing If You Could Be Mine by Sarah Farzan. Okay, so I had so many books to choose from for this episode as I've been on a bit of a queer fiction kick, so it was really hard to narrow it down. Um, (laughs) And I say a bit of a queer fiction kick, um, that's literally been, I think, about 85% of the books I've read in the last year. Like Okay. mm -hmm. Considering we're recording this in October. Yeah. (laughs) It's a fair amount, and I've read around 100 books so far this year, so, you know. I know, already beat that Goodreads goal. (laughs) I'm going to have to count how many I've read this year. See, I don't, like, count mine. I just write them down in my journal and then count them later, so. I do appreciate the Goodreads tracking thing. You can just say, hey, I started reading this book, and you can be currently reading multiple books at a time on there to help keep track, which is kind of nice. I had 400 books on my Goodreads bookshelf, and then Goodreads deleted them all, so I don't use Goodreads unless it's to look something up. Hmm. Okay, well, now that we've done, now that we've figured out perhaps our most concerning difference is on the opinion of Goodreads, um, maybe we can get back to yeah, queer fiction. Let's, let's go back um, to queer fiction. Anyways, actually, I ended up having to kind of choose at random because they're all so good that I couldn't choose a favorite. And I happened upon Ashley Herring Blake's wonderful novel, Delilah Green Doesn't Care. I've read it before, so. I was really excited to be like, hey, that actually is the perfect book. And I was excited to read it again. So kind of let's go over a basic premise of it. Delilah Green lives as a successful New York photographer, doing her best to completely leave behind her past as a lonely girl from the small town of Bright Falls. She's content with her work and her fleeting romantic encounters with the different women she falls into bed with until her estranged stepsister Astrid makes her come back to photograph Astrid's wedding, which Delilah would have denied if Astrid hadn't dangled the idea of a big paycheck in front of her. Well, there you go. Yeah, I mean, money. I'll put up with people for money. (laughs) Um, Literally my job. Um, Okay, so Delilah plans to go, snap the photos, and leave before she can get sucked back into her family drama. Which brings us to Claire Sutherland, one of Astrid's best friends and bridesmaids. See, Delilah knows Claire from growing up in Astrid's shadow, and she finds herself inexplicably attracted to the other woman. And Claire, Claire has the balance running a bookstore, raising her 11-year-old daughter with her ex-husband. Though the two, I say two as in Delilah and Claire, have known each other for years, they haven't really gone beyond the surface, at least yet. Mm-hmm. They're thrown together in more ways than one when they decide to save Astrid from her shitty fiancé, and things only get more interesting as the plot thickens fun yep and that's kind of like a paraphrasing a little bit of the back cover i tried to put my own spin on it but that's why i'm okay with revealing that astra's fiance is shitty because it says it on the back cover also you find it out within the first two pages of meeting him so i was gonna say if it's an obvious character trait it's not a spoiler (laughs) yeah so the rest of this will have more specific spoilers details and things so if you guys kind of aren't interested in hearing that or you're going to read the book soon and you don't want to listen to it right now i would maybe skip this part uh when we first meet delilah she's waking up in a room she doesn't recognize with blurry (laughs) memories of the night before fun yeah 
She remembers being at a show to try and sell some of her photographs, remembers the woman beside her in bed, but she can't remember her name. Oh, so we get the every man's worst nightmare, but lesbian. Uh Uh-huh. Which, it's really funny, because every time she refers to her in the following chapter, she uses a different name that starts with L. Because she's pretty sure it starts with L. So she goes, Lola, Linda, Lanier, which I thought was really funny. And it does kind of pay off later in the book, so... It's, it's a cute little callback thing later. Delilah gets a call from her stepsister, Astrid, uh, reminding her that she had agreed to let Astrid's mother hire her to take photos for Astrid's wedding. And she leaves, I guess, Lilith, I don't know, we don't know at this point, uh, <laughs> behind to travel back to her hometown. And then we meet Claire. Claire is out at a bar with one of her best friends, Iris, who is trying to get Claire out of her dating slump. Well, it's more of a sex slump. Uh, they literally have a loud conversation about Claire's vibrator being very tired in the bar, which, you know, gets you friends like that, that you can be oh comfortable with. God, yeah. I'm sorry. I just flashed back. Oh, to the, um. Don't drop names though. I'm this person would be names. so upset. I'm not going to drop <laughs> names because she would be very upset. But we have a group of all of our friends from the bookstore and we recently got together to, was it when we were watching Greatest Showman? It was when we were watching Greatest Showman with our cardboard cut out of Hugh. <laughs> we have pictures. We'll post them. Um, <laughs> but one of our friends is going through a divorce right now. And she was talking about how for the first time in years, she has a vibrator. And she says very loudly, nothing but a vibrator. My fingers is going up there as my younger brother walks down the stairs. <sighs> And it was just, we all cracked up, except for our friend who's just so traumatized and just literally froze into stone until Molly's brother went back upstairs. It was fabulous. So traumatized about it. Sorry to derail, but we promise more stories and we're going to give you more stories. Yeah, 100%. Also, um, we will probably end up double checking with this person to see if it's okay to share this story, even though we didn't mention names, just because, we will. you know might have possibly been. wind up cutting this out and possibly sticking it in a blooper episode we'll see what the friend is comfortable with yeah anyways claire and her sex slump <laughs> uh <laughs> you know she decides i'm gonna go flirt with a woman at the bar with a beautiful mass of dark curly hair and tattoos down both arms can you guess who the woman is dun, dun, dun. that's right it's delilah oh, couldn't have seen that coming um And see, Delilah recognizes Claire from growing up, but it isn't until Astrid arrives and addresses Delilah by name that Claire realizes just who she was flirting with. Oh, dear. Uh (laughs) Uh-huh. After leaving the bar, Claire goes to pick up her 11-year-old daughter from her ex's place, finding a disheveled apartment and an upset child. Oh, dear. Yes, yeah, child didn't want to come home. Ruby was like, mm, nope, I want to stay here. We were going to watch movies. We built a fort. Ba-da-da-da-da. You know, understandable. It's 11-year-old. 11-year-old, yeah. Yeah, Claire handles it pretty well. She agrees to let her daughter spend one other night with her father, only with the guarantee that Josh gets her to a bridal shower tea tomorrow on time and dressed appropriately. Gives him a dress. Literally everything's ready. Should have been fine. Hmm. Uh, hmm. Ex-husbands, though. (laughs) The next morning, Delilah wakes up to Astrid trying to drag her to the tea, deciding to wear a revealing shirt just to fuck with her stepmother. (laughs) So great. She also jokingly tells Astrid she bets she could get Claire in bed before the wedding was over. Remember that, by the way. (laughs) Uh, 
At the tea room, she starts to take some photos when Claire panics over Ruby being late and refusing to wear the dress that Astrid bought for her. So Delilah intervenes, takes Ruby aside, and she's like, oh, you're right, this is a god-awful dress, which, you know, Claire starts to get a little, you're not fucking helping. Yeah. But then she's like, we got this, and Delilah takes Ruby into a side room, and they come back out, and the don't get me wrong i love lace but it was really described as ugly lace okay. ugly lace overlay is gone it's like a satiny dress underneath and ruby is wearing her combat boots with it so it's her and it's cute and it's comfortable and it fits in enough so it was really great and she allowed like i don't know it just felt really good because i i, I was I went through stages where I wanted to have, you know, like the cute girly things, but I also wanted to have things a little bit different and, you know, yeah. at the same time. So it's nice to see adults, at least in fiction, allowing kids to be fully themselves and yeah. not trying to push them in one box or the other. And Claire is also very appreciative of this, uh, but Delilah's stepmother, Isabel, is not. And she makes snide remarks about Delilah helping with the dress, about Delilah in general. And uh, after a while, Delilah's uh, had enough of them little snapbacks. So she literally crashes the champagne glass tower. What? Uh-huh. She literally, like, went, hit, checks it, and then she's like, oops! <laughs> I legit just paused with a drink halfway to my mouth, y'all. Yeah, to be fair, um, the stepmother, Isabel, total bitch. Um, as in contrast to Delilah, who is a bad bitch, uh, specifically for that move, generally her entire character, but literally I was reading that and I was like, oh, you're such a bad bitch, I love you! <laughs> oh, so good. Anyways, Claire and Delilah are obviously attracted to one another, but they only have a bit of baseline flirting here and there um, on like the day of the tea party. Uh, when Isabella hosts a dinner party for Astrid's and her fiancé Spencer's friends, Delilah quickly realizes why Claire and their other friend Iris hate Spencer. He's a rich, spoiled, possessive ass. Ah. Uh-huh. So a, an irredeemable a-hole. Pretty no much. qualities, except he's rich. And he's misogynistic, too, and it's like, hey, we make decisions and bullshit. Anyways, Delilah... Even though she doesn't like Astrid that much, she waits until Astrid has gone back into the house for Spencer's bug spray because Spencer can't go get it himself. What? And he makes her go get it. Anyways, Astrid's gone and Delilah hands Claire her phone and camera before acting tipsy and tripping into Spencer on the edge of the dock. Down they go, along with Spencer's expensive leather shoes. Oh dear. Yes. Uh, honestly good karma moment uh and like me this is all iris and claire need to see before they align with delilah to get astrid to realize how shitty spencer is and to call <laughs> off the wedding well there you go cue shenanigans uh <laughs> on a bridesmaids uh slash delilah cause she's not really a bridesmaid <laughs> uh trip to a vineyard delilah flirts with claire about not wearing underwear to the spa and tries to worm astrid and spencer's story out of her stepsister i see you're getting hung up on the whole yeah, no, I'm not going to wear underwear. <laughs> Fabulous. And Claire's the whole time is like, ah! <laughs> what the fuck? <laughs> uh, having a, having a bi panic, which is fantastic. We love it. Um, but, you know, Astrid shuts down after they keep bringing up Spencer. And we can't quite tell if it's because she's suspicious of them asking or if she truly deep down doesn't 
feel comfortable with the relationship. Uh -oh. um, and she leaves dinner early, um, which kind of dinner gets shut down after that. So I would say if the guest of honor is not there, it's not really a dinner, you know? Yeah. Um, where, you know, Delilah has to go back to Claire's room because uh, I forgot to mention um, the hotel didn't have a room for Delilah. Oh, no. And they only had the three rooms for Astrid, for Please Iris, and for Claire. Please tell me we're getting only one bed trope. Uh, so Claire offered to share her room. And of course, there was only one bed. Yep. The pinnacle of all Tumblr, Fiction Press, Live Journal, and AO3 stories. Yay. They start kissing on the bed, making out, and then Astrid knocks to announce that the hotel found a room. Delilah, reeling from Claire wanting to hide their romantic encounter, agrees to go to the room right in that moment. Because Claire's like, we can't tell her, we can't, no. And she was so, like, so upset that Delilah was like, bitch, is something wrong with me? <laughs> so she's like, fine, yeah, I'll go to another room, sure. <laughs> you embarrassed to me. Anyways, back home, which Delilah can't believe she started thinking of Bright Falls as home, so you can tell there's been a bit of a character arc there. Uh, Delilah goes over to Claire's house for a girl's wine night. After Iris leaves, she and Claire hook up for the first time, only to be interrupted by Ruby calling for Claire to pick her up early from a sleepover. Quite disinterrupt us. I mean, yep. And, you know, there's still some tension from having to sneak around from everybody everybody in Bright Falls. She still got a little butthurt about, like, the whole thing of, we have to hide this from everybody. And it's like, why? Uh, but Delilah still agrees to go with Claire on a camping trip with Ruby and Josh to make sure that Josh was actually doing a good job with Ruby. Um, in a bid to kill two birds with one stone, Iris tags along, as do Astrid and Spencer. Yay. Don't worry, though. We get some fun scenes with Spencer. Okay. Uh, oh, please tell me we're going all a parent trap on him. Well, you'll see. In between panic over Ruby growing up, Delilah and Claire put cayenne pepper in Spencer's <laughs> underwear. Uh, uh, it's it's very hilarious. Uh, it follows Spencer losing his shit over the burning. Literally, like, starts stripping off his clothes, and before he can take his underwear off, they're like, dude, go in the tent! And he Child! Does. Yep. Uh, but seriously, don't try this at home, folks. Don't. Like, that's not, it's no. not a joke. It's not fun. It's only funny in fiction. It's not a funny joke. It can actually, like, hurt yeah, burn people. Yeah, so. seriously. Yeah. Anyways, don't. Not even for shitty men who really deserve it. And Spencer really deserved it. <laughs> oh my god. <sighs> Camping trip over. Claire and Delilah have a bit of fluff. And they go on a date to a skating rink. And it is so cute that I can't stop thinking about it. Literally every time I think about it, that's one of the scenes I think about. It's just like, went to a skating rink. <laughs> and they held hands. And there were glow sticks. <laughs> and it was so cute. <laughs> Oh, and remember how I said Spencer deserved the pepper in his pants? Yeah, well, um, it gets worse oh, than no. his general being a rich, spoiled, possessive prick. Um, he bought a house in Seattle without telling Astrid and said they would move in right after the wedding. So taking her away from her entire family. Uh-huh, which is fine, but right after the wedding, when she had said that she was going to stay in Bright Falls for at least another year, that she wanted to, to have the transition time. And he just took all that away from her. Uh, Astrid promptly breaks up with him. and Red flags are flying, man. Yep, fine. 
so were his clothes she was dumping shit out on the lawn it was great <laughs> you have to stop saying this shit while i'm drinking things okay maybe you shouldn't be drinking when i'm talking because we know i'm hilarious anyways no she straight up breaks up with him and she goes back inside her childhood home literally runs inside with iris and claire comforting her uh delilah decides to go upstairs and into astrid's childhood bedroom she finds old diaries and realizes that Astrid never actually hated her, that they were both grieving and awkward and lonely, and that they kept missing opportunities to love each other on the outside and not just on the inside. So that kind of translated to not liking each other on the outside, even though they still loved each other on the inside. Claire finds her and comforts her, and they start kissing each other when, dun dun dun, Astrid catches them and flips out and yells at Delilah for not being there and uh like just at all growing up and then astrid uh in her butthurt feelings over all the different things going on uh reveals to claire the teasing bet that delilah made when she arrived in bright falls you know the one about being able to get claire into bed fun yep uh obviously shit goes down and they all kind of part ways uh delilah flees back to new york where an art dealer shows 10 of her photos in a pretty well publicized shows uh Here's the thing. You know how I said the whole Lilith London Lila character, it yeah. pays off later. She does figure out her name, but only after the girl sets her up with this show and then she calls her the wrong name. So that's funny and awkward. And it's a bit of lightheartedness <laughs> in the middle of all the tension. So great. Um, anyways, at the show, things are going pretty okay. Astrid unexpectedly shows up and the two sisters tentatively bridge the gap that years of distance and loneliness created between them. But there's still the problem of Delilah and Claire. And that's where I'm going to leave you. Ah. <laughs> <laughs> Here's the thing. I'm going to give spoilers for a lot of things, but you know, for people that want to know the general arc of the book, but yeah. don't want the full ending, the last ending spoiled for them. I want to leave that as like a little gift you know no, so i get that i get that i know but you called me a bitch yes <laughs> i am a bitch it's just the tone <laughs> anyways it was a really good book i really enjoy it i found it because of tiktok because you know book talk yeah it's part of the whole reason why we have a tiktok in the first place for our <laughs> podcast is because book talk is a thing it's a thing and it's a really good market to tap into. Um, but I was really glad and I have the book here. I'm just looking at it and we were talking about this earlier, but I have pretty much an outfit that could cover the outfit on the cover for Delilah. And I have a long, dark, wavy wig and I have tattoos on one arm. So I could conceivably cosplay as Delilah. So that might be coming up close to when we release this episode. Maybe possibly maybe. maybe we'll see but yeah it's really good highly recommend it um and you know it's nice to have like it, it's it's like a fucking hallmark movie <laughs> but queer and yeah. i love it and here's the thing like i could get behind hallmark movies if they were a little bit more gay yes so this is one of my favorites this year from lgbtqia there will definitely be more over time like i said might just pop up in random categories you know yeah, like because, it has been like it has been <laughs> um and you know i'm sure we'll have a pride special as well just oh, yeah, you course. know but I yeah think the whole month of june is actually going to be pride books so i'm so excited so fucking excited <laughs> um but yeah definitely delilah green doesn't care 
like, well, I care about this book. <laughs> and it's really good. So everybody should read it. So I do want to give a disclaimer before I start talking about If You Could Be Mine. Um, this book talks a lot about the political situation in Iran. Granted, it's from nearly a decade ago, but it's still going to be front and center. So if that's something that either triggers or squicks or you just really don't want to hear about politics, feel free to skip. Okay. But it also is kind of timely, though. Yes. With given... all of the things going on right now. If you don't know what's going on in Iran. Um, we will include links at yeah, the end. Include some links to good articles or ways that even if you can't help financially, just raising knowledge and support because... You know, it's it's a horrible thing that's happening in Iran yeah. right now. Yeah. Um, so to begin, <laughs> If You Could Be Mine is a book about Sahar and her love for her best friend, Nazrin. From the beginning, this book doesn't hide what it is. The opening paragraph talks about how Sahar fell in love with her when she and Nazrin were six and that the love was mutual. But the book doesn't hide what it's about because Sahar and Nazrin must. They're two girls in love in theocratic Iran. And they could be stoned and hanged if they're caught together. We also learn very early on that Sahar's mother has passed away five years ago. Since, her father has essentially been in a fog. He hardly works, and even then the furniture that he makes is flawed. Sahar does all the cooking and cleaning on top of all of her studies. Her university exams, which she can't go to college unless she passes these. These exams determine what she gets to become in her life. Um, and unless she passes these tests, she can't have her dream of being a surgeon come true. She wants to be a cardiac surgeon. Wow. She talks about her cousin Ali, who managed to get into university, but makes horrible grades because he'd rather run his black market empire and throw parties for other gay folks, because Ali is queer too. Nice. We love a queer family dynasty. <laughs> Even if it's a secret one. Still, in our hearts. <laughs> Nazrin's mother, which is Sahar's mom's best friend, invites Sahar and her father over for a party. Nazrin won't tell Sahar why, and it soon becomes obvious. One of Nazrin's older brother's friends, who's a surgeon like Sahar wants to be, has asked to marry Nazrin, and her parents have agreed. The man is twice her age, and even though Sahar knows that she and Nazrin could never be together openly, she's hurt, and rightly so, honestly. Yeah. I mean, like, your best friend, your true love, doesn't tell you that she's getting married and you have to find out at a party in front of people and you have to try and keep your face completely still hide all your reactions because or and not even then Ugh. you have to act happy to an extent because otherwise if you have no reaction then that also draws attention yeah which is yeah so messed up but it's especially hurtful because Nazarene seems to think they can keep going like before Stolen moments and kisses here and there. Uh, that's not what Sahar wants, and nor does she think it's right. She mopes, which she grieves, really, for several days, so much so that even her out-of-touch father notices. Ali invites her over to come to one of his parties, promising to provide a proper escort for her quote-unquote trip to the movies. This is when we meet Parveen. She's a fine example of a young woman, wearing her rusari perfectly and very fashionable, um, which the rusari is another word for um, the head covering that they have to wear. Nice. Except we learn that Parveen was not assigned female at birth. She's trans. Ooh. And the wildest thing is that the government paid for her surgery. 
Ollie says it's because the theocracy is trying to fix them. It takes Sahar some time, but she truly likes Parveen. And the whole thing gives her an idea. If she can't have Nazarene as a woman, maybe she can have her as a man. She begins to attend support meetings with Parveen, and all the while being forced to help with Nazarene's wedding plans as her best friend. Eventually, things come to a head. Sahar convinces Parveen to take her to meet the surgeon, who not only tells her what she wants to, will take weeks, is going to take months. But Nazarene's fiance, Riza, works there. Uh, things start absolutely falling apart. The person who secures hormones for Sahar to begin taking refuses to give them to her because she asked to meet in a gay bar, calling the people there wrong because they're attracted to the same sex rather than being born in the wrong body. Riza seems to figure out what's going on, and Nazarin's mother definitely does. Eventually, Nazarin does have to go through with the marriage, and Sahar makes the decision she can't see her anymore to keep them both safe. Ali is turned in by one of his clients, gets beat to hell, and has to leave the country. Jesus. He leaves Sahar most of his money, and her father seems to snap out of his stupor and attempts to actually be an adult again. Using the money Ali left them, he starts getting both of their lives back on track. Sahar makes it into university and even winds up flirting with another girl in her class. Subtly. Which, of course, is when Riza tracks her down again. Something is wrong with Nazarin, and she won't talk to anyone. Sahar is his last hope. I won't spoil that ending. Okay. But things work out as best they can for a young lesbian woman in an Islamic theocracy. Um, and I do want to mention, there's an entire plot line I left out. And it's not a long book, but it's very, very good. Um, but an important aside, young women are fighting and dying today for the right to dress and worship as they please. The government of Iran has most information routes in and out of the country blocked, but awful things are happening. Things touched on in some detail in this book. To learn more and or to donate to these freedom fighters, we will be putting links in the show notes. Yes. Um, but as a much lighter aside, uh, I found this book on Tumblr like five or six years ago, and I wound up reading it for the first time while I was dog sitting in the bedroom that would eventually become mine when I started renting that house. Oh, this was your old house. Yeah. This oh was my, my gosh. Old house. Um, and I actually was living in that house when Lindsay and I met. So it's just kind of like a cool little dovetailing thing that makes it very happy. And I'm really sorry that this part of the episode is very, very short. Um, it is a very short book. It's super small looking at it. Um, it's very short. It's a small book. It is YA fiction, so it's a relatively easy read, but it deals with a lot of really heavy stuff that's very, very plot important. Mm -hmm. And I don't want to give it away because it's... It very much gives a glimpse of what life is like in Iran for these people. And again, it's just so plot heavy that to leave one out is to leave the rest out entirely. Which, sorry that this section again is so short, but... And it's the same thing, like, with things that are so important, it's okay to leave some of these things out. You know, if people want a full-on spoiler of a book, they can go and read the full plot summary on, like, Wikipedia or something like yeah. that. This is more for us to just talk about it and what moved us. And 
yeah, and I legit, I thought that maybe I was just being emotional the first time I read it because I cried so much. Um, but then, I start now, I started crying again when I was reading it. So it's actually, it's a very powerful, very moving book um, for all that it's very PG-13 rated. Mm -hmm. And it's only PG-13 because of the situation these girls find themselves in, not the fact that there's any sort of sex or anything like that. Yeah. But that is my recommendation that everybody go read this book, please. Uh, the more we can make people aware of the situation in Iran, the better we can hope for an outcome for these people. We need to amplify the voices of people who can't speak who, for whatever reason. Or if they can, making sure that different audiences are reached that wouldn't normally see it because I know there's people in my life who aren't on TikTok who aren't on the internet enough to see these personal stories about mm -hmm. Iran so by me sharing it then it's a wider audience and then they share it with people and yeah. again it's not our story to tell it's not our struggle it is we other people using our voices and our privilege to, to amplify these voices because they're literally dying to be heard right now So on that serious note, um, let's see if we can get maybe a slightly more lighthearted topic. I mean, hopefully, but, you know, let's roll with the punches and see what the Encyclopedia has in store. Spin. Such a delay. I know. TV tie-in novels. What? You don't know what a TV tie-in novel is? I, I mean, no, I don't. You're looking at me like that's a problem. <laughs> it is. I, okay, I don't, though. I okay, don't. <laughs> so we will fix Lindsay's problem off microphone. Um, but know that next episode we're going to be doing TV tie-in novels. us up on social media we have a facebook tiktok tumblr and instagram those are all at library fugitives we also have an email which is library fugitives podcast at gmail.com and that's just for listener requests questions you may have or just to talk to us yeah so remember y'all stay safe in the stacks out there bye, bye.